podcast informs listeners that the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed solely belong to the host and not necessarily to their employer or any other group of individuals. It is not a research report. It is not a recommendation to buy or sell any security. It is for informational purposes only and should not be construed otherwise. Okay, hi everyone. It's June 17, 2021, and thank you for watching the Awesome 10X Global Market Update. Let's begin. So the Fed kept the rates unchanged, but has a unanimous decision to actually hike rates in the year 2023. I'm going to read to you the exact meeting highlights from the Fed. It says here that the Federal Reserve is now considering raising interest rates because of inflation this year and brought forward a time frame of 2023. The central bank didn't indicate how aggressive or how, how non-aggressive they will be about the bond buying program. And they also said that they unanimously left their interest rates anchored near zero for now. Um, let me read how this, um, this meeting transpired. You can think of this meeting that we had as the talking about talking about meeting. Powell said in a phrase recalling a statement he made a year ago that the Fed was thinking, wasn't thinking about thinking about raising rates. As expected, the Federal Reserve unanimously left the benchmark short-term borrowing rates, rates anchored near zero. However, they indicated that the rate hike could come as soon as 2023 or two years from now after saying that in March they plan to have no increases until at least 2024. The so-called dot plot of individual member expectations pointed to two hikes in 2023. Fed raised its headline inflation expectation to 3.4%. This is a full 1% increase than the March projection. The post-meeting statement continued to say that inflation pressures are transitory. This raised expectations amid the biggest rise in consumer prices in about 13 years. This is not what the market expected, said Deputy Chief Economist at Aberdeen Center Investment, James McCann. The Fed is now signaling that rates will need to rise sooner and faster, with their forecast suggesting two hikes in 2023. This change in stance jars a little bit with the Fed's recent claims that the recent spike in inflation is temporary. Markets reacted to the news. Stocks fell, government bond yields are higher, as investors are anticipating tighter Fed policy ahead. If you're going to get two rate hikes in 2023, you have to start tapering fairly soon to reach that goal. It may take 10 months to a year to taper at a moderate pace, and then you're going to look at somewhere tapering maybe later this year. Especially if the economy continues to run a little hot, rate hikes might be sooner rather than later. Then again, inflation is trending to about 2% goal over the long run. Our expectation is these high inflation readings will now abate. Powell is also cautioning that there is not a great forecast for future rate moves lift off as well into the future. Powell did note that some of the dynamics associated with the reopening are raising the possibility that inflation could turn out to be higher and more persistent than we anticipate. He particularly noted the sharp rebound in growth now that the Fed is seeing 7% GDP growth in 2021. Much of that rapid growth reflects a continued bounce back in activity from depressed levels 
because the factors more affected by, by the pandemic remain weak but have shown improvement. GDP expectations is now raised to 7% from just 6.5% previously. Unemployment remains unchanged at 4.5%. Okay, so there's a lot of changes from how the Fed is speaking. Let's read further. Recent indicators show that the U.S. is expanding at the fastest rate since the World War II. Growth has come with inflation. Central Bank is now facing enough pressure to at least start curtailing their $120 billion bond purchases this month. Now, Chairman Jerome Powell noted the Fed officials had had discussions on the progress made towards inflation and will continue to do so in the months ahead. They did raise the interest it pays on their excess reserves by 5 basis points, so about 0.15%, for their overnight repo operations. Okay. For now, we know that the Fed left the rates unchanged and we can see that the market didn't react negatively in a very strong manner. Let's take a look at all these indices. The Nasdaq 100 last night, for instance. So you could see that it's still actually at the 14,100. That was the resistance. It fell right back to about 13.9. But we can argue that that is actually a resistance zone anyway. In fact, we did expect that we are sit sitting at a resistance area at the 2021 Fed meeting, which means that some people will sell spikes, they would sell calls, those short resistances. Are we shorting? Not necessarily. We're just really thinking that we want to be in the cautious side rather than just being on a bullish side. So I think that the market is already choppy. And so how low can 14,100 NASDAQ go? Here at about 39, can it fall to about 13,000? With leeway that is still a question mark to the downside, it makes sense that you are actually selling and raising some money. That's for the NASDAQ 100. How about for your Dow Jones? So let's take a look at the Dow Jones DJIA index. So what happened to the index last night? With a potential of a potential rate hike in 2023, even if that is two years from now, it seems as if the market stopped climbing up. You're seeing that the market paused, this is the Dow Jones futures, from nearing 35,000, which is already an extension anyway. It's dropped about 34,000. Could it drop to about 32,500? Could it drop to 31? I'd argue that it is. we are in a critical juncture wherein the, the safe answer is to be trimming positions or taking some cash to the sidelines. Meaning, if you're already overexposed, take note that we've recovered from March 2020. Your Dow Jones has gone from 18,200 all the way to about 34,000. That is a significant recovery in just a single year. More so, even in February 2020, prior to the pandemic, the Dow Jones is already above that 30,000, suggesting that even if we do fall, 10% uh, down is not out of the picture. So that is for your Dow Jones. Now let's take a look at your S&P 500 SPX. How is it looking? We argue that it's also in the overbought zone. This, take a look at the S&P 500 from about 2192 or about 22 during the, the lows of the pandemic. We're actually nearing 100% here already at about 4,200, 4,300. So from 2.2 to about 4.4, that's a 100% increase. It makes sense that people, even during February 2020 of about 3.4, will be taking profits in the market. So the first thing that you have to understand is that this could have been a mega range. We could be in a super 
super secular range wherein the markets will leave those interest rates unchanged. But then again, because it's very scared to actually raise rates too soon, however, because we are already in the overbought zone, it's not impossible to see that we would fall here to about $4,000 or still 5% lower from an index standpoint. Because you are a very you are at overbought zones, your S&P 500, your Dow Jones, your Nasdaq are in overbought zones. Let's take a look even in your Russell. So Russell 2000 is also your small caps. It's also in the resistance zone. If you take a look at it, it's actually in the 230. It makes sense that some people will actually be taking profits at these critical um, junctures because they don't know what would happen. So are you supposed to nuke your portfolio? Nuke meaning you go 100% in cash. I'd argue that the answer is balance. I don't want you to nuke everything. However, I don't want you to also be too confident that the market is going to go up because we are already nearing the resistance zones. Your IWM, your S&P, your Dow Jones are all very high. In fact, just recently, there's also another inflation scare. Michael Burry is saying, again, in uh, Twitter, warning bubbles, and are the things really going to get ugly? Let's go to the Michael Burry warning bubbles. Big Short Investor is back on Twitter and warning off the biggest speculative bubbles of all time. Let's read it. What is Michael Burry warning all of us? He shot the fame during the global financial crisis in the year 2008, warning of the greatest speculative bubble in the history of the markets. So he said, we are in the middle of the greatest bubble. Flying Pigs 360, which appeared to reference a famous saying in investing, bulls make money, bears make money, but pigs get slaughtered. Burry's latest tweet came after he repeatedly flagged that investors have grown more greedy and hence shouldering risk as they are seeking unrealistic returns. This big short investor deleted his Twitter account in early April after flagging the Tesla stock, which he is short along with GameStop, Bitcoin, Dogecoin, Robinhood, SPACs, inflation, and the broader stock market. He only started tweeting again on June 14. People always ask me what is going on in the markets. It is simple. This is the greatest speculative bubble of all time in all things by two orders of magnitude. Hashtag Flying Pigs 360. So I think that because of these um, dancing on the knife's edge, the greatest bubble, a lot of people are a little bit scared of these warnings by Michael Burry. And hence, they're actually making their portfolio a little bit on the preparation. So my suggestion is, you want to see that in June 15, one day before the Fed announcement, the market was already taking some profits. Now, it's not unusual for the market to take profits considering the V-shaped recovery since the bottom of May 12, 2021. So you want to always prepare for crashes, whether it happens or not. It actually doesn't matter if we will crash. We're not shorting, but what we are aware of is that inflation is so strong that the markets is also afraid of the potential um, effects of uh, these inflation, inflationary struggles. And therefore, the dollar actually was a primary winner when the Fed suggested that they won't possibly print so much money and they will actually even raise rates for the, for the intermediate future, meaning 2023. I'm going to read this to you. Asian equities fell to a three-week low on Thursday after the U.S. Federal Reserve stunned investors by signaling it might raise rates at a much faster pace than assumed. 
sending bond yields and the dollar sharply higher. So if you think about Elon Musk tweeting, I believe la la la, this is now Federal Reserve. What the Federal Reserve talks about, tweets about, the market recognizes and indeed the market will listen to the Fed. The dollar boasted its strongest single-day gain in 15 months with the 10-year Treasury yields jumping by the most since early March. Let me show to you what happened to the Treasury yields. So let's take a look at the 10-year Treasury yields. Okay, let's take a look at the 20-year Treasury bond ETF. It was rising, okay? And the people who are ultra-short the treasuries are going down. Um, we'll also look at the dollar, DXY. The dollar currency index had a super strong move last night. This is what you call a bullish engulfing. It means that the dollar is king. And when the dollar is king, it actually will show that the gold is falling down. Let me see to you. Let me show to you what happened to the gold. Last night, gold fell down, a strongest sharp pace from about 1875 all the way to 1814. Could it drop to about 1736 because the dollar is rising? It's possible. These are the effects of what the Fed just did last night. Similarly, Japan's Nikkei falls 1%. S&P 500 futures is falling in Asian trade. Emerging markets might not hold up as well. They are vulnerable to a chance that this early rate hike can suck the funds out of the riskier assets and therefore selling pressure so far is only moderate. But this Fed dot plot indicates a hawkish Fed come 2023. Now, um, although these plots are not really commitments, they have a very poor prediction of predicting rates. The sudden shift was still a shock. The Fed rubbed salt into the wound, signaling it's now considering tapering its asset purchase meeting, downgrading the risk from the pandemic given the progress in vaccination. Markets moved quickly to price in the risk of earlier action. The Fed fund futures shifted to imply a first hike even by the end of 2022. The yields on 10-year bonds shot up almost 9 basis points to 1.57%. When the yield on the bonds go up, it means that the bond prices fell. The bond market fell down last night. I would assume that because of what the Fed did, you have to look at the stock market more carefully nowadays. I'm going to show to you the biggest movements last night where we have a pullback. Um, that's a question that most people are, are asking. So I have a question actually in June 16. Because CrowdStrike is also nearing these resistances, is it going to go to 210? I'm thinking if it does, I will buy. However, if there will be a Fed tapering come 2022, it means that it's possible that I might be able to buy CrowdStrike at 190 or even 170. Because of that, in my view, it's important to be prepared. It's also important to be prepared knowing that meme stocks has already temporarily peaked. Now, if meme stocks, in your view, has peaked, do they fall 50%? For instance, one example of a meme stock is Virgin Galactic. Although there are so many news that's positive in the space, space in itself, the question is, after a 150% rise, a monstrous run-up, should it be now that people should be taking profits on these meme stocks? Take a look at what happened on Space Virgin Galactic. And with Virgin Galactic, take a look what happened with Holy City. Let's take a look at some space names. 
Holy City is actually not yet too strongly run up. So I would say that if it hasn't run up so strongly, there might be a chance that Holy City can still go up to 12. So it depends on the stock. Space, SPC, Virgin Galactic is more in the overbought zone, so there might be profit-taking. Holy City, we could wait this out. How about for VACQ? VACQ is still at a $10.27 area, so it's also a wait-and-see mode. How about for ASTS? It's also still here in about $11. Some are in the wait-and-see mode, but because ASTS came from $8-$7, it's possible that last night, even with when it rose about $11 and $12, people were taking profits on that sharp up-up. Last night, it's not true that every stock fell even when the Fed signaled a potential interest rate hike by 2023. In fact, RC Moto even rose more than 15% last night from as little as $12 to as high as $15, suggesting to me that although there is a sharp rise, it's possible that the people will not necessarily sell it all the way down below 10 In fact, when you see so many arrows on RC Moto, even if the Fed will taper by 2023, Perhaps the secular trend of electric vehicles is so strong such that people are willing to buy the dips of this disruptive company, such as example, Arsimoto. And you can see that last night, Sunrun even managed to hit more than 10%, rallying to as high as 49.50, only to close at 47.73. I've actually been selling some in yesterday's rally on some solars because I am oversized in my solar department. I'm very bullish. I believe 44 to 45 of Sunrun is great. Even if it was just up 10% at 50, I was willing to sell. Even at 46, 48, I was also selling. Even if it can go to 56. Rational being, if the Fed will taper, I don't want that my gains will go down. Let me show to you what happened the last time the Fed tapered. Let's take a look what happened in the NASDAQ during 2013. The last time that the market tapered was 2013, where they were trying to retract all the bond purchases. It actually was um, a drop of about at least 10%. So let's go to the 2013 era. Year 2013. Okay, so um, in year 2013, yes, the long term is up. But you could see that during 2013, this was around then, uh, May, April, May, June 2013, no? Yeah, wait. Yeah, actually, the Nasdaq barely fell no, in 2013 despite those warnings of a Fed tapering. So it still went up. So not pro. Let me just let let me just be accurate. Uh, Bernanke tapering. Tapering 2013. Exact date was May 22, 2013. So May 22, 2013 was somewhere here. It dropped for a month and then eventually consequently went up. So it's possible that because the Federal Reserve is still saying that it's 2023, it's going to be mild. I'm not saying that you should short the market. I'm just saying that you should be careful. There could be a drop because we're in the resistances. We are overbought. Yes, I would agree with that. But you don't short. Just because you think that, okay, we're at overbought zones, is it possible that we fall? The answer is yes. Is it possible we fall drastically? That one, I don't know. I don't know if we'll fall drastically. What I do know is that if you had a monstrous run-up, you're prone to profit-taking. 
AMC is prone to profit-taking, I'd argue that here about $59, the market would be willing to sell some AMC, even the shareholders and even the owner. And that's something that did happen. Even if the Fed kept the rates unchanged, what happened to AMC? It fell from about $60 all the way to $55. i would argue that these names have peaked. Meme stocks have peaked, especially AMC and GME. Let's take a look at GME. What happened to GME? Even prior to the Fed, it was already down from $280 all the way to $220 from a peak of $350. Can it fall further to $160? Well, take a look at GME. My argument is that it could fall 50% from its peak, that $350 can fall all the way to $160, that even $220, any sharp rallies to about $250 or $275, I think will get some selling off. So meme stocks would have a temporary peak. Now, of course, meme stocks are many, um, what happens to CCIV, for instance? CCIV, in my view, CCIV, Quantum Scape, Danimer, Scientific, went up, went down. This trio, however, I'm a bit neutral. I don't mind the people who own it. In fact, the volatility is good because there are real buyers and also there are real sellers who just love to squeeze. If you'll notice, these packs, Quantum Scape, is near the oversold zone. So it's not in the GME zone wherein it's $70 or $50. It's in the oversold zone. In my view, if you're buying a company in the oversold zone, you are less likely to get sharp drops because it's still here in the oversold zone. It has fallen at 80% down. So although 26, 27 for quantum skip could fall 24, my argument is that there's low downside. Take a look as well on CCIV. The price in, the downside was priced in. When Churchill Motors dropped already 70%, here at about $17, even as CCIV could have a temporary resistance here at 28, you'll notice that even last night, despite the Fed, it actually even rose from about 22, it went 24. So it's possible that people want electric vehicles and they believe in Lucid Motors, but these stocks could range. It might not go 34. I would have thought that Churchill Capital could go 34, but because of Fed tapering, because of a potential higher rate in 2022 or 2023, because the market is forward-looking, you have to be more cautious rather than being aggressive. So CCIV, if it goes 28, you might want to trim some. How about for Danimer Scientific? You'll notice that Danimer actually managed to be on a green day even if there is that Fed, right? In a Fed day, which you think people will just sell everything down, including meme stocks, you'll see that Danimer Scientific held its own. It's actually above 22. It's now 23.50. Just like CCIV, I'm neutral. I'm, I, I'm of the view that yes, it could fall. It could, it could go to 20 or 19 because it did balance and uh, do a V-shaped recovery since about 16 and 14 here. That's still a higher low. So I think for these, because higher lows are there, I'll be more willing to buy when it really goes down and see whether it bounces. If it will never go down, it just stays here at 22, 23. That's also a positive thing. It means that QuantumScape, Danimer, and CCIV, the SPACs that I know have huge short interest, are being bought. And although it might be squeezed or not a squeeze, even fundamentally, I believe in it. I believe in biodegradable plastics. And so I believe that Danimer Scientific has a real buyer who's there fundamentally, even if the Fed will raise rates by 2022 or 2023. Let's take a look as well. Take note, at that point in time, I didn't know what would happen to Roblox. But last night, Roblox, I, I got my answer. 
Roblox fell down 8% down. So actually, I thought that 87 was a buy. In fact, last night, it even fell to $80, which means that that was wrong. It could fall to about 76 What exactly happened for Roblox to fall like that? Roblox actually said that their earnings and their uh, metrics may disappoint. So I'm going to share to you, their main metrics are showing decline. Roblox released its main metrics indicating a decline in users. Daily active users might have hit a growth peak. So I'm going to read that to you. Roblox is a global platform bringing millions of people together through a shared experience. In May, their daily active users were up 28%, up last year but down 1% from April 2021. Hours engaged were massive at 3.2 billion hours, up 9%, up 1% from 3.2 billion in April 2021. Bookings are estimated to be $216 to $219 million. Average bookings per daily average user estimated to be $5 or 5.09, down 2% year over year. Revenue is estimated between $149 to $151 million, up 123% year over year. You see that this is a growth stock. Even if they just show a one-month decline, the market will already aggressively sell you down by 7-8%, which means that the market is not really bearish on Roblox. They're just afraid of the valuation. So if, of course, if you see that the market is afraid of the valuation, it tells you that, okay, that current 87 is an initial resistance. So let's say you made a mistake, 87 is a resistance, at 82 you make a cut loss, where then will it go? Maybe it will fall to as low as $70, maybe it will fall to as low as $60. At this point in time, I'm of the view that I don't want to assume where Roblox will fall. It's better to be prepared that it's a growth stock. It could actually fall from 100 all the way to $60. At this point in time, let me just say that it is a question mark. I wouldn't want to own some Roblox now that you're seeing that there's a potential decline in their growth stock and in their growth, especially if at these valuations, you're actually paying almost three times what they were initially trying to buy uh, to, to get during the IPO. Let's give you again the Roblox valuations. Roblox is currently valued about $30 billion. Actually, no, its market cap now is $47 billion market cap. Take a look at their IPO valuation. Some people then wouldn't even touch it at $20 billion. So at $20 billion, it would have fallen to about 60. Um, take note, Roblox goes public with $40 billion. It went public over and above at 64.50 per share, double the size of Epic Games. So guys, I'd say that Roblox is expensive and because these levels of 45 could go 50% down, let's just assume the worst for our margin of safety. Assume that 87 is the peak. Even at 64, that is a 27% downside. And if you're, you know, if you are waiting for an opportunity, wait 64. So I would suggest sell some Roblox if you have Roblox because whatever prices here are not going to happen again. At 88 to 100, I think that was a chance to sell all of your Roblox shares. And even further today, it's another chance to sell even at $82. Should you buy Roblox at 75, perhaps you can even wait at 68 or 64. To wait is to get a better price. That's my view. Let's give you more ideas. What do you think about esports entertainment group? 
I already told you guys that Gamble I like because there is an upcoming League of Legends. And so any dips of Gamble at about $10 or $11, I'm willing to buy. I'm happy to say that last night Gamble didn't fall. It's actually there, holding on at $11.80. But with a potential market slide, I might be able to get Gamble at about $11 or below. So I'll wait. What am I doing then? If I'm waiting, should I be selling my positions? No, you shouldn't sell your position because even at 12, the upside is perhaps 20. It's just that before it goes 20, 11.8 could also go to 10, 10.9, and so forth. So you should have a balance. I think that most people, their mistake is they want to be perfect. I think that that is the mistake. I'm telling you a few things. Usually, as well, like memes, it's perhaps gonna fall. When you are in meme stocks, you have to be fast. Example, Clover Health, to me, is a pump and dump. I don't personally think it will ever go back up. I think it will even go down all the way to $10, which is their SPAC price. I may be biased. I never found anything good in Clover Health, other than just agreeing with the shorts. However, I wouldn't be surprised that there will be another squeeze for Clover Health. This is another meme stock. Clover Health actually rallied from as low as $6 to as high as nearing $30 in less than a month. So it went like a GME squeeze or an AMEC squeeze. And I'd say that, yes, the Reddit community made a wrong judgment here because um, perhaps it wasn't supposed to be valued at $20 to $30. Even at $12, I won't argue that it's a buy. It could go to as low as 10 so I'll just avoid these meme names because any rallies of the memes will just be um, too difficult and too volatile. Now, let's assume as well that you are a Bitcoin bull. Should you buy Bitcoin mining like Hot Farms, Hot Ape Mining at $4, knowing that it is a company that does own, in my recollection, more than 3,000 Bitcoin? So... You can see a bull can know how to buy on weakness and not necessarily on strength. So let's take a look at HOT, okay? So the latest news on Bitcoin is that, yes, they're trying their best to have renewable energy. And Tesla is saying that they would accept Bitcoin provided that Bitcoin is mined responsibly, meaning you're using renewable energy. And I would suggest that all the Chinese companies do want to be more efficient and being efficient is having renewable energy as your cost. Cheaper way to mine because a lot of their expenses has to do with electricity. So this hot eight mining, let's just assume that you are a Bitcoin bull. You could see that the volume is already very high indeed buying hot eight mining. So what is hot eight mining? It is a Bitcoin mining company. So where is Bitcoin and why is it valuable? Right now, Bitcoin is somewhere in the zone of about uh, $32,000 to $40,000. We are of the view that yes, there, real, there is still this resistance, a very huge resistance at 48 to 64. So 48 to 64 is a range of about 16,000 and 48 minus 16 is exact, exactly 32,000. So this is your first resistance and this is your first assumed support. Meaning if 32,000 broke, indeed your next support is as low as 19,000 or even this 24,000. So I'm not trying to predict that it will fall, but I'm not saying that the market is also very bullish in that you know, they're not you're not sure because so far it's actually below the moving averages. 
it's not bearish, it's neither bullish, it's actually in a zone of just consolidation. But is it oversold? No, this is not oversold. The fact that this one, even from just last year, went from as low as 4.8 to as high as 63, I'm gonna tell you that this Bitcoin is an outperformer. However, outperformers can retrace specifically 50% down or even as big as 70 to 80% down. So, so far, we know that Bitcoin rallied from 64,000 to a 50% decline here at about 31,000 low, 32,000 area. Should this 41,000 continue to be a resistance, what is the next support just in case this one does not hold? In case this doesn't hold, let's, let's see. Another a support is 27K, that would be a 60% down. Another would be perhaps this really strong support of 19 to 20K. So I'm not sure what would happen with Bitcoin, but it pays, it, it pays well to just pay attention. Pay attention to it. So um, let's understand. Texas so far is becoming the destination of all the Bitcoin miners in the world, especially in China. And these Chinese companies are saying, Texas not only has the cheapest electricity in the US, but some of the cheapest in the world. It's very easy to also start a Bitcoin mining company if you have 30 million, 40 million dollars. You can be a premier, premier miner in the United States. In fact, before the rise in solars, I still said I was not understanding the drop in solars because during the one day before the Fed meeting, Actually, your sun run was down. Only last night did it go up. So I was actually happy that it recovered because, of course, prior to that, it was even falling something like 5% or 6%, like right there, oh, below 44. So you can argue that for those who have sun power, what should you do? Although sun power didn't rise 10% tremendously, it tells you that there is huge demand for solar panels. Therefore, sun power, CSIQ, for solar, JKS, are in my view still going to be bought. It will be bought on dips. In fact, um, the market is probably going to buy Enphase as well on dips. So last night it was very strong at 152. There could be resistances, of course, here at about $170 because you're NASDAQ and so forth. But if you believe in some secular trends, just be there for them just as they are for you. So I think like continue to have balance in your portfolio and you should do fine. I'm going to read some commentaries. Your thoughts on RVL and ASTS. I don't know the, the RARVL, but with ASTS, my view is it's a long-term secular growth. And um, because the Chinese are also now fighting in the space stations, it's possible that more and more secular Trillions, well, maybe not trillions yet, perhaps billions of dollars will, can, will continue to flood in internet satellites in space, where ASTS is the primary leader. Actually, I'm not sure about ARVL. What is ARVL? Let me take a look at that. Arri ah, now I know Arrival. Yeah, this is the electric vehicle. Um, this is the competition of Rivian. Arrival has so many competition. So I don't know what would really happen in the future, but I'd argue that it is a solution to a problem, but it's not something I'm very highly confident about. Marijuana stocks like Tilray and Sundial, what do you think about them? Okay, these are meme stocks. 
So far, it looks as if weed-related weed names are moving up and down based on the whims of traders. So you could see that Tilray went from as low as $14 to as high as $21.22 here. That was a sizable jump, guys. It went 68% from just a month ago. Now, yes, it has pulled back from $24, $22. Uh, sorry, it never hit $24. $22, $23, all the way to about $18. My argument is that at 18, anything can happen. It could go to about 15, 16. It can also go up to 20. At these levels, I'm in a wait and see mode. But as you could see, there's a very strong volume of interest in Tilray, which means that the meme stocks are not necessarily down. They could be a large trading range with Tilray support at 14. And initial resistance could be 24 or even as high as these levels of $30. It could be a huge 68 or 100% range from the lows. Sundial actually dropped again. Last night, it went about $0.95. Cents. However, Sundial started rising to about 99 It's possible that that was the first sign of a bottom. But you want to see how Sundial moves in the next coming days. How deep should it fall? Because so far, Sundial, after a 100% rise, has fallen already from as high as 146 to about 30% drop, 35% drop. My argument is that Sundial has a has a billion dollars in cash. It does have a support, um, and they are doing a pivot. They're they're actually investing in many cannabis operators. So my argument is that Sundial could not. Could be a buy. Actually, the $0.95 cents, or even if you bought at $1.05 or $1, you want to wait that out. It's all about position sizing. What can you say about NEO, desktop metal? We like NEO. NEO is very high right now though, so I wouldn't mind if some people will take some profits off. You'll notice that this $45 is perhaps an initial resistance. It doesn't mean that NEO is not going to go $56 or $70 or new highs. But in my view, I'm better off holding NEO for a buy opportunity 40 below. So the people who bought last May, maybe they bought the 34, that was an opportunity that I think will not retest, even if the Fed will go down. In fact, even if it retests, I'd say, okay, 45 goes 34, that is an automatic great opportunity to buy. I am very biased, I know, but NEO is a company that is worth being bullish and being biased long about. Now, notice what's happened. Desktop metal is ranging. Unlike NEO, wherein it's doing higher lows, desktop metal is weaker. From 11, it rose about 15, 11 to 15. We could see a triple support at 11 if desktop metal will retest 11. This tells you that desktop metal as a 3D additive manufacturing play is less in the commercial zone versus the confidence of investors that NEO is in the... NEO is actually in the race uh, of being the, the number one electric vehicle in China, or at least in the top five. Are you still bullish with Zillow and Beyond Meat? Zillow, I'm not bullish technically. It's been weak for over two months. I've had so many stocks go up. Zillow didn't. Fundamentally, I don't see a problem because real estate has been doing well. But just like desktop metal, you'll notice that technically it's just sleeping here. It's not down, but it's not up. It's just sleeping. So I'm in a neutral phase in Zillow. In fact, at $120, it might be more of a sell rather than a buy, even if we like it fundamentally. Beyond meat, I like it fundamentally, but at current levels of about 145 I find it a bit expensive. 
At 147, I'd rather wait here at 133 or 121. If you didn't buy below 133, I'd say suggest that you wait it out, you buy low so that you'd never sell. I mean, I, I'm not really a buy low, sell high crowd. I like to buy low and then never sell if I really, really like it. I would trim at a higher price because I think Beyond Meat will go five, you know, in a in a year's time, maybe not. But in a year's time, next year, maybe 200. I'm not sure. I'm bullish on Beyond Meat, restaurant reopening. There's so many reasons why Beyond Meat is a winner. But at the same time, it is a highly valued growth stock today. I'm not so sure if many people will really eat vegetarian with all these plant-based foods. So give it some time. Have you studied so SOTG-2382? Unfortunately, I didn't study what SOTG is. What is SOTG? Sunny Optical. Ah, uh, Sunny Optical. Okay, this is... um. Sunny Optical is an OEM of Apple. That's all I know. I forgot what else is the news here. I'm not really looking at it. In terms of those OEMs, I want to tell you what happened with Greenland. Greenland actually rose and then fell down. Notice from 7 to 11, right? That was a resistance. It's still in a box after a 70% down. What you want to understand with OEMs is understand if their suppliers are really growing. In the case, uh, I mean, their customer. I think for Sunny Optical, if my memory is correct, their clients is Apple, right? Let me see what the news is. Latest stock news and headlines. I wouldn't know everything, so I need to read. What happened? Why did it rise? Um, Sunny Optical announces a completion of periodic ratings. Deepening Huawei curbs and... Uh, no, well, I don't know. I'll have to read. But um, it's possibly... If, if I'm going to ask, if you're going to ask me, I think it's possibly related to an Apple-related Apple order. Um, is Bingo ASXC still a buy? To me, bio-nanogenomics is a winner, especially if you're a leader in genomic space. It's already up 100% from as low as $4 to as high as 9 I wouldn't be saying that it will not go down to 7 So if you're a buyer, I'd say below 7 is fine. If you bought at 5 6 good for you. I'm not sure if it really goes back down. A leader shouldn't fall that low. The more shallow the drop, the better. So for now, let me see how far people will be tempted to take profits after 100% rise in bio-nanogenomics. But I'm, bullish. I'm a bullish person on bio-nanogenomics. In ASXC, because it's nearing $3, 360 areas, to me, it's expensive at 138% up. Expensive in the sense that there are so many names that are still oversold. You have to understand that this recovered nicely. I would sell it. If I have ASXC, 360 is a sell for me. Will hotels reopening themes be impacted by the overall resistances? To me, you have to understand that when the markets are skeptical or it has to do with interest rates, their question has nothing to do with the reopening. Their question is, if the dollar is going to go up, will there be less liquidity in the market? They're not thinking about well, everyone's going into hotels, you know. It's about the DCF, the rates. So the rates is a big, broad stock market versus cash versus holding the dollar. 
That's why, whether it be bonds, stocks, commodities, gold, I'd argue that it will impact everything. It will not just impact hotels. It will, it will not just impact your Apple. It will impact everything. Bionanogenomics, space, everything. But when you ask me about hotels, airlines, reopening themes, so far, what I've been seeing, the travel is really doing well. Although Airbnb is sleeping here, I'd argue that, well, anytime it drops, there will be a buyer. So if you can hold all the way, you will win. You're gonna win. What about your DraftKings? Actually, there was a short report here and we bought the, the drop at 46, went to about 49. But because there's short report, I'd argue that maybe there are people who's gonna sell at 51, 52. Inunahan ko na lang. 49, sige, sell some. With um, Delta Airlines, it's been sleeping. If you'll notice, for the last few months, it's just been in a range. So although this is a reopening play, yes, it's an uptrend, it's lower. How about for your um, hotels? I'd say for hotels, I chose Ashford Hospitality. You'll notice that this one is also a meme stock, but this is so undervalued. It already recovered, right? I mean, they are trying to recover. And so you're seeing so much hedge funds, including Howard Marks, uh, a very important distressed value investor, convert loans into stocks. So that's why I think this one is more of a bullish I'm bullish here even if it's a meme stock because when you look at it, you know, under the under the hood, how could it be a meme stock when it owns the most important properties in the Bay Area, you know, in, in very important uh, hotels such as the W Hotel, the Hilton Hotel, the Marriott Hotels. So the question is, do you know what you own? Because if you know what you own, you would not ask. You would know what to do. Intel has news today. What is a good entry price? Semiconductors look like it might pop up soon. To me, Intel was the dog of the entire semiconductor. How am I going to prove that? The biggest, you know, it was a laggard. Intel lost to AMD. Intel lost to NVIDIA. And so far, Intel is only trying to recover. I'd argue that this year in 2021, what happened with Intel is a catch-up play. They're catching up because they're saying that, hey, we are still in the mature, um, I'm sorry, we're not mature. We have the growth cycle with autonomous vehicles. We have our own LiDAR with mobile eye. Um, we, we have Intel Ventures. So I am more in the neutral to the bullish zone for Intel. Bullish because it's a laggard. Why is it a laggard? Well, since 2020 to 2021, for all, almost a year, nothing happened to Intel. And I'd argue that the reason why Intel never went up was it was always losing. Losing market share versus AMD. Losing market share towards the better ones. So I'm not... Personally, I don't like buying laggards and losers. So it's not like my top idea. If you really love semiconductors, you wouldn't be in Intel. You'd only be in the leaders. I'm going to show to you what leaders are capable of. Let me show to you. It's very simple. Go to finvis.com. Go to the screener. Put the industry. Well, actually, it's okay. You can do something as easy as this. Type NVIDIA. The industry is in semiconductors, right? So you can see all the semiconductors from the biggest to the smallest. And then go to the performance, price performance. Who's the best performer? LEDS, INTT, MOSI, HIMAX. It just tells you, well, yeah, we're bullish on HIMAX. It tells you that on the semiconductor space, 
you won't buy Intel. It's not even the top 20. At least NVIDIA is like 36% up year to date. It's a laggard. Now, I'm not saying that laggards aren't good to buy, but even from a fundamental sense, it's been losing. That's why it's been a laggard. Uh, so, I'm not that bullish on Intel. Okay lang. I'm neutral. I'm neutral because at the end of the day, there are some stocks in this region that will still go up. It's possible that they're just laggards, but the market just, you know, the market is just not appreciative of what they've done. Just like, for, for instance, yes, Qualcomm is a laggard. I'm gonna show to you a laggard in the semiconductor that I like. Take note what's happened. We made a buy call at $90, $100. So far, it's still sleeping. Well, it went to 165, 60% up. And then, you'll notice it for the last three months, just like Zoom video, it's been sleeping. Only Zoom actually broke out recently. So when, when a company is doing something like a 10% sleepy mode in the last three months or one quarter, it tells me it's in the healthy profit-taking zone. It's still an uptrend, but it's just sleeping. That's true for Qualcomm. The Silinx AMD acquisition, I'm not sure if it's already happened or is it gonna happen, but take note, it's been consolidating. Most of the semiconductors, in my view, are consolidating. So this is not a leader it, it, buying Intel is not going to give you outperformance. The outperformer is NVIDIA. The outperformance is HiMax. With, with so many people saying that they don't have enough money, they should avoid the laggards and just concentrate on the leaders. At the very least, since I don't discuss LEDS and INTT or MOSI, these are the questions that should be asked. Okay, Nikki, can you tell me more about MOSIS? Can you tell me about MCOR? Can you tell me about this Intest Corporation and this Semileds? Now, I'm not saying that I know about them, so I'm going to have to study them. But usually, I'll study the leaders of the sector, not really the... Not, not really... Not, not the... Ano, synaptics, I know. Yeah, this one is also a leader. Yon, I, what, what's that news ba? What's the news of Intel? Why are you bullish on Intel? Let me read that news. Intel has news today. What was the news? SK Telecom is planning a $5 billion splurge to become Korea's SoftBank. Intel is forming a government affairs advisory company. Investing in the Intel turnaround. Don't be too quick to draw comparisons with AMD. Yeah, because AMD has already become the cheaper function. AMD has beat Intel in every part. So how could you be bullish in the company that's been, uh, no? Yes, AMD has been sleeping the entire year of 2021, but that assumes that, well, it's already gone 10x. Eh. To begin with, it went from 10 to $90. What more can you ask for? Lisa Su has done everything on her part. Let me read this. Investing in the Intel turnaround. Okay, um, the world's largest semiconductor, Intel, hasn't been good as of late. There is that falling behind versus TSM and then falling behind NVIDIA in the dominant TZ and data center business. In fact, they also fell behind in the general purpose chip company, AMD, following the years of Great Recession of 2008-2009. Now, Intel is nothing like AMD in 2010. Intel may indeed be a long-term value because it's just 12 times cash flows, but don't expect a massive resurgence like AMD experienced because these are the reasons. Number one, Intel is already not the leader. 
of the global chip industry. Now, um, it still has 20%. 20%. So they're not a tiny player. AMD took over. Okay, that's one. No drastic action to simplify its operations. AMD sales has grown to about 3% of the global spend. Intel plans to make a comeback by doubling down on their manufacturing business, tapping other foundries, manufacturing some of its designs. Now, take note though, Intel failed versus ARM. Again, NVIDIA. ARM now is the semiconductor supplier for Apple and Alphabet. So, there are many questions about Intel. So, I'd say that the more you read, the more you're not convinced. How about TSM? TSM, biggest win is supplying Apple. If you're bullish on Apple, then you're bullish TSM. Nonetheless, is it priced in? It's already very high. You know, TSM has gone from as low as about $50 to $140, even if it went to $118. Yes, this is a profit-taking, but it's not cheap. I'm not buying it because it's not cheap. How about commodities and oil? Commodities fell. You notice gold fell. Um, I didn't check semi. Uh, I didn't check silver. Let me take a look. Actually, let's take a look at commodities. What was the effect of the dollar going up? I'd assume that the effect was it should fall, right? I mean, commodities should fall last night. So oil fell a day, but it's still seventy one. Gold fell a day. Silver fell a bit. Copper fell. Platinum fell, cotton fell. So, yeah, and then um, nat gas, palladium sugar is strong, aluminum is still strong. In general, I think what happened was the market took profits. That's the answer. Take profits. Oh, shocks, it's one hour. Sorry, I'm, I didn't notice. Global market update became so long. So, that's it, guys. Um, be careful. Uh, take advantage. Be cautious. But don't get so frightened. The Fed meeting is just telling you that if the markets are getting overheated, take profits. If commodities are getting overheated, take profits. Whatever, whether it's reopening, oil, whatever it may be, there's a reason for it to go up. But don't buy high. It's not easy to buy high, sell higher. It's better to buy low, low enough, oversold enough. And then you either sell high or you don't plan to sell. That's better. Thank you.
Ok, 